0: did have the show started, so I want to thank you guys for being here. Welcome to Holy Shit, Stan Taylor. Uh, thank you guys so much for being uh, part of this show. We uh, I'm very excited about the two guests that we have today. Uh, they are friends of mine both, and uh, we had the ab the uh, odd combination if we do have an academic and uh, and a comedian. Um, but our comedian is also an incredibly smart person, so the role of amusing idiot is going to have to fall to me today. Uh, <laughs> and which it often does in in life and in work and in romance and in uh so many other things <laughs> um, but uh yeah yeah i'm really excited to have our people here so uh first up uh edmonton's uh uh most lovable comic although are you retired officially from comedy craig or
1: i'd like to consider myself on a long sabbatical uh <laughs> I'm waiting for people to forget my jokes so that I can bring them back on stage again. <laughs> nice, nice. So please put
0: your hands together for the one, the only Dr. Craig Sherburn. <laughs> you have to clap for yourself, Craig. I'll do it. Enough noise. Yeah. Um, yeah. I already
1: he is as I've played to smaller audiences than this. <laughs> <I know.
0: laughs> we both haven't gotten paid more, uh, <laughs> but, uh, and and also here is a, a good friend from from Vancouver uh, and person who is taking over your internet slowly but surely. Um, please put your hands together for the uh, amazing Dr. Hillary McBride. So, uh, full disclosure: these people are both friends of mine. I knew Dr. McBride before she was Dr. McBride. When you were still Master McBride, or whatever, <laughs> however,
2: which no one has ever said before. Those words have never been used.
0: Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's not about
2: me. <laughs> Maybe in some other context.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll we'll avoid the connotations. That's, right. that's right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But um, but yeah, thank you guys both for being here, uh, mm-hmm. you, uh, so I'm excited to, to get to talking about Bible stories, but the well, first thing we do is we, is, is we just give a background with, with, uh, with your familiarity with Bible stories. Did you grow up with this? How does this kind of fit in with what you have? So I'll start with you, Craig, because uh, I know quite a bit about your story, and you grew up very Roman Catholic, correct?
1: Very Roman Catholic. I uh, I got to hand out the Eucharist and uh, Knights of Columbus up until about twenty three or twenty five years of age. So I was a sword carrying Catholic. Is that what you would refer to it? <laughs> I uh, don't know. Yeah. Uh,
0: did, I, you, did you literally
1: get a sword? Is I that a thing that they're still a, handing out a sword and a funny hat and the secret handshake? And, oops, <laughs> I'm not supposed to talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> no. I was I was raised Catholic, went through Catholic schools, uh, so there was the indoctrination and all the stories and all the tales, but of course with a Catholic twist. So right. heavy on the fire and brimstone and uh, uh, vengeance side, not as much on the happy, clappy Christian side. So not it was well. always, Little jealous, you happy clappy guys.
0: <laughs> oh, we had our heavy doses of shame and just eternal. Say. <laughs> Not unscathed. I, 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 I am the kid who, every time I heard a plane going over my head, was just like, "That's the rapture, right?" <laughs> like oh. there weren't a lot of planes in Charlottetown, Prince of Rhode Island, <laughs> so that was part of the. But um, so the but you are Craig, a parent now. And uh, how do these, like, I find it interesting, like are these kind of Bible stories that you kind of grew up with, are you handing those in any way to your children, even as stories? Because you're not a practicing Catholic at this point in time. I think you're a card-carrying atheist or a non-card-carrying atheist.
1: Well, I I mean, what is the phrase? The older you get, the less likely you are to be an atheist, and uh, (laughs) the the closer to death. uh, Like that's the brave atheist is the one who's on his deathbed and still doesn't embrace God.
3: Yeah.
1: I suppose that so I, I, I think that you parent in the opposite to as you were parented um, uh, explicitly but implicitly you carry all those burdens of, of all the negatives mm-hmm. so we've kind of decided to not push any religion and not to address it in any way except when raised and spoken of in a kind of general spirituality terms uh, mm-hmm. it keeps me up at night there is a fair amount of guilt I have uh because one of the things that i walked away from the catholic church with was the ability to at least frame the questions mm-hmm. to to have a basis it's it's really it's really hard to understand what you agree and believe in if you don't have a basis uh to move from so to some extent i think we've we've left that one uh, a little too long and a little too hard with uh with my kids uh, i have a 17 mm-hmm. year old son though and mm-hmm. the good news is that his own reading and youtube uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Oh, good. In framing his own understanding of uh, of religion to some, expe- uh, to some extent, and the stories that come with it. But oh, look, uh, it's no surprise if you watch any television, it's all the same, what, 17 stories recycled. Yeah. So uh, I think they've got all the religion they need from the Matrix Reloaded. That's where I'm going to stand. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> a sequel even. <laughs> 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 so, what
0: about you, Doctor McBride? What about you, Hillary? You kind of grew up with some of this as well, right?
2: Yeah, I grew up with all all the Bible stories, and I think I learned I learned from my parents that there was a healthy amount of play that was allowed in it. Mm. So, my dad would read Bible stories to us, like kids' versions of them, from you know kids' books into devotionals and stuff at night. But he would yeah. change the details. Ever so slightly, every single time he read them, uh, I, whether it was to keep himself amused or to see if we were paying attention, but every once in a while uh, you know God would be asking someone to play Legos with him instead of you know whatever was actually in the story and so there was a there was play and creativity and metaphor, and I think that without even it being intentional gave me the permission to experience some freedom mm. to, in how I conceptualized and understood Bible stories in terms of their, um how how much they were poetry, how much they were history, how much they were metaphor, how much they were uh, a people telling a story to make sense of the pain they had gone through mm-hmm. uh, all of that. Yeah. So I think, I think the framework that I was given, was helpful Mm -hmm. for me in terms of being able to have flexibility in how I understand stories now.
0: Um, And you also work in, you're still, you're a clinician, you work Mm -hmm. with clients uh, Mm -hmm. often who have experience and trauma and kind of body stuff for your specialties. Does, does the set of narratives were given as a child or be just being given a set of narratives? help us to process the that kind of thing is there you know not to get ask you to choose a set of stories that we should give but can you tell if someone has a a a narrative structure through which they're kind of filtering their own experience or or you know that kind of thing is that
2: yeah we're all we're all given a framework within which we develop and the more concrete that is the more we develop a sense of stability early on, but if we are never given the permission to break out of that framework and to think mm-hmm. critically about it, then we can't do some of the developmental work that we need to be able to do to perhaps engage existentially with, to engage existentially. <laughs> so whether there are some people who grew up with Bible stories that gave them shame or Bible stories that gave them the sense that they're held and loved and known and seen, Uh, I think the stories themselves don't play as much of a role as the angle with which they're presented. And then Mm -hmm. the kind of the explicit and implicit messages that go along with that about who they are in the world. So I know lots of people who grew up with just as much shame, if not Mm -hmm. more and had no awareness of the Bible stories that other people feel gave them so much shame. So, I mean, we can, we can take something like a story and and use it as a tool to for behavioral control of children or as a way to communicate love and value and then when we get or when we are adults we get to look back on those stories and decide how we think that they impacted us based on our experience and sometimes we get it right and sometimes we see what happened for us growing up through the lens of how we feel in that moment and then when we shift how we feel, we remember the stories differently.
0: Hmm. Yeah, it's interesting because this story, is, like even this conversation that we're having, this story that I'm going to tell you guys today mm. is special to me because I have never heard this story told to me as a child. I found mm. it as an adult, which made it feel very valuable to me as somebody who grew up in the um uh, and so it it, it it doesn't come laden for me with any of those right. things that I grew up with, which gives me the most room to play. Um, but it's a fascinating story to me because it's like I'm pretty sure neither of you might have heard it. I, most people have never heard this story when I tell it to them. Um, but it uh, it really involves like uh, government bureaucracy and. Good. A, Public health emergencies and uh, and long and memos, <laughs> interoffice memos.
1: I was about to ask for forms. The only way to tell is if there's a long form. Oh, wonderful. <laughs>
0: and then but also uh sectarian discord and violence centuries later so you know Mm. all of the great
3: things
2: my favorite story elements all in one (laughs) i just feel so relieved we finally found it the then, then you need to
3: like, you need to like write a trailer, just like of just the audio trailer for this, like mm-hmm. in the in the deep voice that goes with the movie, mm. where it's talking about the elements of the story and like putting it all oh, together. Oh man,
1: in, a, in a weird, memo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can attach, a health crisis. <laughs> if you can attach Rob Lowe to this, you get six episodes on Netflix.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Uh, if I could have like Turned this into a sketch that was Scripted like an episode of the west wing Like I would have totally done it But uh, Budgetary oh, restrictions
3: yes. <laughs> What are you with, even doing
0: With me <laughs> telling the story Cocaine <laughs> is the answer to that question <laughs> Lots and lots of cocaine um, So uh, So yeah this is from The story is from second Oh and this is why because like both of you uh, in your worlds, so as a clinician, and, and Craig, you're a working uh, lawyer right now. Um, both of those involve lots Foreboding.
1: of. Foreboding? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do you have now? an inside track, or- <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: we'll see what happens by the end of the podcast. But, um, both of those involve lots of memos and emails back mm. and forth, right? Like, and there's so many okay. stories that, like, certainly when I was a social worker and and like the worlds end up being very similar, start with a like, hey, have you thought about this email? And uh, so when I found this, I was working at a social worker and dreading paperwork. So I think that's possibly why it hit me so hard. So the this story is from 2 Kings chapter 17. So just to situate where we are, we've been talking a lot about Abraham. This is way, 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 way after Abraham. We're talking literally thousands of years after Abraham. So this is there has been a kingdom come up. So this is after, so we've had a Davidic kingdom. So the people of Israel have a king now, then they've established borders and stuff like that. And then this is even after Solomon and all of David's sons. This is after all of that. So we're hundreds of years past and we're at a time called the exile. And and what happened was Uh, Assyria came, this is the historical fact, Assyria came along and trounced the entire area uh, that was considered Israel at the time and basically said, get out of here because that's what Assyria did. Their, uh, Their main source of government funding was plunder. And uh, that's kind of how they worked. Now, the way that the Israelites, the, the people of Israel, told the story was that, like, they had disobeyed God, and Assyria and God had allowed Assyria to come and crush them as a, uh, a w- uh, way to remind them of, of how they ought to be living. So. Um, and what? So what? But what we know Assyria did at the time, what the what we're told in the text is that basically they took everyone who lived there and sent them as refugees to another place. Because if you were in another place and you wouldn't feel the connection to the land, you don't feel the connection to the people around you. In their minds, you were less likely to rebel and cause rebellion if you were there. And then they got another group of refugees and they brought them back in to inhabit the the towns and the villages and work the fields that had been developed by the Israelites. And they did this all over their empire, which at that time covered much of what we would consider the middle and the Near East. Um, So, But big kingdoms, even then, had to deal with public health issues and bureaucracies and stuff. So the way that this story is introduced to us in 1 Kings is they, they brought this group of people and they're, they've been, they're inhabiting the towns of Israel. And then a memo was sent to the king of Assyria. And the memo read, King, the people that you have sent here are doing fine, uh, except that they don't know how to follow the god of this land. Uh, they don't know his customs or what he wants them to do, and the god of this land has sent lions amongst the people, and they are eating them. Please advise. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Suddenly, headlights don't seem so bad. Eh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so... So this is the so, so this is the memo that is sent out. and, right. and, and I love that what's responded to is a, a memo where the person who got this, who is not the king himself responds, but like somewhere someone further down, bull says, perhaps we should send a priest from the people who were exiled back and he will teach the people how to please the god of that area and then the lions will no longer be eating them (laughs) so then a memo another memo is sent (laughs) to the other place being like hey you need to send one of those priests back here Pick one eh, so he can teach the people here how to follow the God of this land because this lion problem is getting out of hand. <laughs> so this is what happens. They send someone back. Now, as people who have lived in kind of a public health and a, and a memo world, both as a scientist and as a clinician, I'm imagining, how would you have framed that first email to be like, how, like, uh, a couple of questions that I'd like to brainstorm together. How many lion attacks do you think constitutes a public health crisis? Like, it's got to be more than mm. one, right?
1: Like, There's a, there's certainly a certain limit. Uh, I think I can appreciate <laughs> as somebody who's operated in a number of large bureaucracies, the, the standard format that survived <laughs> through thousands of years. Uh, hey, totally yeah. respect your decision. You're doing great. You're doing <laughs> great there. One small thing uh and I, I don't know how to mention this, uh but the people you sent us, wonderful people uh, a little bit heatheny, a little bit more heatheny than we expected and uh we think that they're carrying a terminal case of lions and uh, so if you could send somebody just somebody small, maybe not morsel sized uh, to come and help us, that would be appreciated uh that that is the perfect passive not passive aggressive the perfect passive bureaucrat letter that is. Yeah.
2: <laughs> I love the, the sandwich starting with you're doing great
3: <laughs> small problem
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, crops this year are looking fine uh, new refugees are coming in and have assimilated and taking over the village as well so well, you should be expecting some stuff into your coffers this fall
1: except for <laughs> The only thing it's missing is a s- local sports reference. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> a small
0: number of people have been affected by a lion problem. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so I'm thinking, though, that like, okay, so you, even, you know, we, we, I'm thinking you have to get into like the 10 to 15 lion attacks in order for this to become like, because there's no way that that public... What 10
2: to 15? Tell me, well, how did you come up with that number?
0: well because it's got to be more than one right because but at the same time if you're a bureaucrat have it like in the ones that i you don't want to be the first person to sound the alarm that something bad is happening right Mm. that there's this that we we don't just have like a series of lion attacks and people being You know, inappropriately close to the current lion population. Like there has to be enough of them close together to really push you over the uh, on the limb to be the the guy in the disease virus Mm. movie who's been like, "This is gonna kill a bunch of people. You need to address it." Right? We've all seen you know the like that scene. Yeah, 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 right.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Everyone's just laughing at him. You don't know
0: so i'm I, I thinking think, 10 to 15 it could have been higher i
1: don't know what 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 do you guys do you have a different number or yeah no you're, you're forgetting the important thing and it's the distance from the person writing the memo is critical because we all know that mm. the ratio it's directly proportional the number of line attacks necessary to raise a concern is directly proportional to the distance <laughs> away from the writer that the line attacks happen <laughs> like 300 miles you need like six thousand line attacks <laughs> To your neighbor. Mm. I mean, you're starting to write that email that's a great right point. away. Yeah, One, that's true. Like, you just have to have a lion attack uh, within a mile, I think. And it's like, you know what, This is this is of critical importance to me now, politicians being what they are.
3: Well, and are all the people, like, are the people of Israel, like, completely displaced? Like, they're not there anymore?
0: It would seem so. But but I'll let you finish your thing, yeah.
3: Well, just because, like, if there's still some of them, and then it's just, like, the new people who've taken over, they're the ones who are getting, like, eaten. (laughs) And it's just, like, but the people who have already been living here and seem to know how to not get eaten by lions, Mm. they're fine. Mm. I sense a more imminent danger for my own person (laughs) (laughs) if I am amongst those who... Don't know how to not get eaten by lions.
1: Okay. I think this comes down to a Syrian lives matter. Is that what we're saying here? <laughs> yeah.
2: So, go ahead, Dan.
1: No, go
0: ahead. I don't. Sorry. I. I yeah.
2: My my training is showing um, <laughs> because I I want to know how long the lions have been there. How many lions? <laughs> Have they been attacking, but it was previously not disclosed?
0: Right, right, right.
2: How are people <laughs> protecting themselves against <laughs> lion attacks? These are all of the clinical questions we ask when there's like symptom presentation. I want to know frequency, intensity, duration, the relationship to it. Are people feeling afraid? Are they not afraid? Who, who is afraid and who's not afraid? Why are the people not afraid, not afraid? What is uh, inoculating them against fear? Mm -hmm. I want to know all of the diagnostic information before I I respond.
0: Well, and and we haven't been given a lot of that, but I think that there are are some things that we can infer, which is that, um, first of all, like it wasn't like lions never attacked in the entire history of the Mm -hmm. world right so this had to be an excessive number of lion attacks or excessive in their intensity or excessive in their in the the group of people that they were taking down like if they were only taking down like so it could be like it could be like Craig is speaking and maybe it's they're only attacking Assyrian bureaucrats. Like maybe it's just
3: like right. all,
0: everybody else is fine except for like the guy who's standing there with the pad and the scroll and he's like the, the lion takes down him and like leaves smaller, tastier people there. Um, so I think we can infer that, that some sort of a disconnect like that is happening. And also there's also some sort of relationship that at least the people believe, because I, I the way that I get I get this, like I think it would would be difficult to immediately attribute to the god of this land. They don't know what to do oh, to to make them happy, because it all what the, what's also implied by the fact that this is a memo is that they've tried other things. That they're like, okay, what well, are the other point. things that this god that like what are the other things that we do for our gods? Well, some we have sacrifices. They tried that, didn't work. Like, they have, you know, their own kind of cultic principles and like, you know, like they would have brought in things that were much closer, I believe, before they send off the thing that's like, hey, we need you to kind of reverse this dislocation policy because you got this hill god that's really stubborn and seems to have a lot of lions at his disposal so you know i don't know does, does that help you get any closer as you're like i'm i'm thinking that the people have to be very afraid and yes. bureaucrats have to be very afraid as well in Which a way that's it's dim- been
2: going on long enough
0: yeah I
2: other think- things have been tried and they've
3: already made their assessment of what it is right like why they think Mm -hmm. it's going on right they've come to the conclusions it would seem by the time this memo comes out
0: like we only see two emails but i'm guessing (laughs) that the way that because bureaucracies haven't changed in thousands of years right like so the oral tradition condenses this down into like a couple of letters but there's no way that this wasn't like Several dozen letters, interoffice
2: know, but, memos. Yeah,
0: interoffice <laughs> memos that are like, there are some people. I wouldn't be one of them, of course, but there are yeah. some people <laughs> <laughs> who think that this lion issue might be related to the god of this land. You know, like I don't know mm-hmm. when do you you know, Google, you know just just I'm just gonna like, throw it throw it right up the flagpole, see if it sticks. You know, like all that kind of like corporate speak. I think is is how the the stuff goes so because that's another question that i want to ask like we only have the two like how many Mm. dozens do you think went before and what department got together right you know to yeah craft the wording for the we have a lion problem
2: who was the whistleblower and did they lose their job and
0: what was what was the syrian whistleblower protection like yeah
1: (laughs) there's a there's a beauty to this too in that there was nothing to be gained by it uh the pessimistic uh atheist would say oh take a look they're taking this one problem and then using it to to build some benefit, uh, everybody should tow the line, or you should tithe more because of the lions. But there's this beautiful simplicity to this mm. that it's like nothing to be gained, except asking for help. <laughs> we've tried everything, we tried everything, and mm. apparently we're doing it wrong. Uh, we've shaken the big no-no can every time we see a lion, and it's not doing anything. What yeah. better can, you do? can you help us? So there's 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 a real uh, purity to the request it doesn't we've, come with a help and a, a priest and money or right. a hmm. and maybe he could bring some wine. It's just plain old help.
0: Yeah. We've, 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 we've sacrificed bulls and goats and sheep and we, we've, <laughs> right. we've done, we've done all the animals. Like we've worked our way through the sacrificial, like, you know, like I don't think the Assyrians did human sacrifice of their own people. So that might've been like a, A thing that they would have had to get permission to do like this is a real thing like they might have had to like there might have been a letter but like beforehand to be like well some places use some gods like human sacrifices there are you like what kind of human could we pick for their for this sacrifice right so you know like all of those things would have come in so like this is one of those stories for me where it's like you know and i can see you guys thank you guys for coming here with me but it's like there's not a lot there. But once you, like, allow your yes. imagination to play here, it's just like, what is going on
3: in this yes. world?
0: How chaotic did it have to get for it right. to get this bureaucratic, right? Like, where it's just like, oh, no, this is very, very, very bad. So the we get to the, so so the memos are sent. Uh, And finally, they say, okay, we're going to send back a priest. We're going to reverse our our exportation. And they had to send a priest. I don't know how they got that guy who volunteered for that job, whether whether he was just like as a priest in exile, or like he was brought into the public service from the outside. and and Going
1: through a lot of resumes, eh?
0: Yeah. 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 Well, and also just like what level of oversight did they have of him? You know, because it's like if your job is to come there and teach these people, you know, like the ways of the of what this God wants so that lions stop eating them, the only goal ultimately is like no more lion attacks. Right, like that you know like so come his year year year-round evaluation it's just like we've seen an 85 we need to see at least an 85% reduction in lion attacks (laughs) once you come in you know and and even then there's like a forensic examination of lion attacks that still happen and it's just like well no this guy you know like this wasn't the god-provoked one this one was like the guy Covered himself in juicy animal fat and then like presented himself to a lion.
1: Like there's no, <laughs> nope. <laughs> that wasn't a lion attack. That's definitely bear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: exactly. Exactly.
2: You yeah, but tell. the performance review. What's on his like three month evaluation? I like that question.
0: <laughs> yeah,
3: I think that that's... Also, I want to see the syllabus for this class that this priest is preparing <laughs> to teach everybody how yes. like. Had I it don't a text.
0: Because yeah. we don't hear that everybody got circumcised, right? which is kind of a thing that was important at other times and has already been discussed on this very podcast. Is that like occasionally it's like circumcision seems to be the thing that, 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 that pacifies the God who's sending in the right. line, but we don't hear this story. And like, again, that's one of those awkward public meetings where I can't imagine that that's the first thing where it's just like, so like, I'm a, so we have Dr. Hinshaw in Alberta, who's sort of mm-hmm. become a folk hero. Um, which I very much appreciate, but I, I could, I'm just imagining her getting up and being like, So, as part of our new Lion protocol, we're going to require all males above the age of eight to get circumcised. Oh. So, that's going to be happening. Please, like, sign up See for your, your physician. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> you, like, use this know.
2: app. We have this app developed. <laughs> yeah, we have a- there's going to
1: be that one guy in the back that says, well, what are they going to do with it? Are they going to feed those to the lion? Yeah. <laughs> or the
0: guy that's trying to prove that he's like, "No, I've already been circumcised. Okay, so we're going to need a annotated picture sent to such and such a, to demonstrate that you have, you have gone uh, through the vaccination.
1: <laughs> we will accept a rubbing or a, remote, a rough sketch. Yes, an etching. But this story becomes incredibly
0: important later on. So so the priest comes in, you know, like the priest comes in, teaches the, the people who live there the ways of, of following the Torah, following the instruction, and the lions stop eating them. And those people stay there. They stay there for a very long time, up until the time of Jesus. And those people become the Samaritans. The Samaritans were so hated by the Jewish people, like... So when Cyrus comes, the next empire, a couple hundred years later, and says, like, hey, everybody can go back to the land you want to go to. Like, not all of those Samaritans left. A lot of them were like, we like it here. It's not lion at all anymore. And we kind of feel like we like it here. But that led to, like, what's interesting is that because they were Jewish, kind of you know but they weren't part of the ethnicity in some ways even though they had this shared history like this was the story that led to the sectarian violence that jesus was dealing with in his time that like you know all of that sparked from this like policy that was put in by uh by the assyrian government to help prevent rebellions you know like that that uh that then turns into a public health emergency that de- then turns into a new religious identity that ne- now turns into like hundreds of years of sectarian violence and i guess the lesson that we learned from the story is the governments have been screwing over the middle east for at least thousands of years
2: <laughs> it was like a fair <laughs> takeaway <laughs>
1: yeah, like. i think we missed an important point which is were lions known in the area because I can tell you here in Edmonton, Alberta, if there was a sudden influx of lion attacks that occur in Edmonton, um, I would a say that that was nearly biblical in nature because lions weren't here before. So maybe <laughs> uh, it's possible that you stand in the middle of the desert, never seen a lion in in a hundred thousand years, uh, suddenly Assyria is flooded with lions. You know, maybe there was a cause to to, to call back and. And A, look for some help and assistance, some sort of off for, uh, for lions. Uh, uh, and B is to say, yeah, this is a biblical flood of lions that has occurred. <laughs> Let's yeah. look for some help.
0: So... <laughs> this is a story because uh hill's, hill's a very important person who needs to get to get oh. no i'm <laughs> sorry but your client you got a client who's waiting and they clients do. matter so um and we've been taking up an hour ta- we've taken up an hour anyway but i do uh, and so people who are listening will love this but i do want to ask the final question which is like this is a story that i didn't grow up with i didn't hear mm-hmm. it i never really understood why the samaritans were there but but excluded right so this helps explain that but um and make sense of the story of the Good Samaritan in a way that that it really mm. doesn't at any other time. Um, but this idea of like ancient public health emergencies and ancient bureaucracies and ancient, does this in any way help us frame our own experience other than just being kind of a fun place to play imaginatively? Or, or sh- is there something to learn from this story?
2: I love your question off the top because i think this is so important particularly given the time that we're in right now how how bad does something get before we acknowledge that it's bad right how whose whose experience do we listen to like how many people were crying out to the government to say <laughs> we're being eaten by lions and the government was like we don't have systemic racism. I mean, (laughs) did I just say that? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because that's how I'm hearing this story. Like who, who's being eaten before the government decides that it's a problem. Right. And if we were to understand that in terms of what's happening now, perhaps I don't, I mean, that, that to me feels like how I read the story, like how, how, Mm. who's hurting and who has to be in power that's hurting before we listen to people who are hurting? And is there something that we can do better now than they did then? Or is there something that if we had more details in the story, we could learn about the responsibility in, for people in power to respond based on who they're deciding uh, or what they're deciding about whose life matters? So, I mean, yeah. that's kind of the angle I'm taking on it.
0: And, but I think that, that that is really helpful and just at some point the Assyrian empire decided to respond you know right like at some point they said like I'm not experiencing a lion attack right now but right I'm going to just fix it you know we're gonna figure it out you know and yeah. and they didn't at some point, somebody had to not deny that there was a lion problem and, and, and <laughs> you know, like, and then go forward to deal with the lion problem. And I think that that is helpful to be like, we don't necessarily have to know everything as a government or have to be able to attribute or have to experience it ourselves. But we can be like, just respond that like, people are experiencing pain that we can verify. It's just like he's, yeah.
3: lions
0: leave trails,
1: you know? Yes, yes. And, and we can and take we need them, help.
0: Yeah. And help. we can choose to take that seriously, you know? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you think, Craig? Are, are, are you, is that, do you think that's a bridge too far for this story or are you on the same wavelength?
1: I, I think that there's insight in the, in the passive tone that is taken in the message that tells us that dealing with your boss Mm-hmm. Uh, it has been the same for thousands of years, uh, regardless of <laughs> however it is. There's an element of seeking help from elsewhere that mm-hmm. uh, maybe somebody else can solve this instead of just putting on your big boy pants and going off and dealing with it yourself. Uh, look, we're gonna we're gonna look elsewhere for it. But the other side of it is is that it helped, right? Looking for mm-hmm. help elsewhere uh, brought in the salvation and the uh, that they needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this odd balance that you have to strike in the world of doing it yourself or seeking help from others and here's an example where seeking help from others you know did the job mm-hmm. but the other side of it is like what what did they do beforehand to try to deal with it <laughs> were they were they at their wits end or was this the first letter that they sent right, right. the, the right. last letter that they sent uh, in the end, I think uh, that the truth to me is is the truth of all the human condition, and that is dealing with a boss at a distance. Uh, and honey, uh, honey brings more flies than uh, the vinegar.
0: Mm. Yeah, I, I think that that's a really important thing. That and and for I guess when I was reading this, it helped me it was like, oh, it has been ever thus, you know, like mm. it, it. What it ha- I am not the first person to be like how am I gonna intervene for my client in a way that this person is actually gonna hear? Is there a way that I can word this that is gonna break through all of the barriers that they've set up to be like, well, we can't do that even if we wanted to, right? Like, and and the, the structures that were a part of it. I do think that like, okay, for me at that point in my life, yeah, like it was a turn up because, um, I was just like okay this this is it's always been like this like for thousands of years we've been figuring out how to break through and uh, and but also like I think that yeah I think you're right on there Hillary and just like how do we measure pain and whose pain Mm. counts and when does the when does the experienced pain of one group that isn't experienced equally when does that become our collective problem collective
2: responsibility you know? yeah um,
0: yeah. and this isn't uh this isn't uh i don't think that this is very specifically a, a an answer to the question uh of of cain to god when he says am i my brother's keeper you know but at some point the assyrian empire said okay this is our problem
2: right right
0: you know um, and I think that 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 to me is a worthwhile thing. Is that sometimes it is our problem, even if it's not you don't want it to be. You know, <laughs> like that that, mm-hmm. that that there is a certain point where things become our problem. Um, yeah uh, the slight
1: imp- the slight imposition of everyone being a little bit more godly is beneficial to society on a whole right that there's there's this element of somebody coming in and you know there was somebody who wanted to eat uns- uncooked shellfish look i am right. all about the shellfish and cloven hoofed animals <laughs> yeah. and they backed off on that position which was a slight imposition to them but it benefited all of the syria because of it there's there's that element hiding in there as well that mm-hmm. you are your brother's keeper to some point mm. yeah yeah even even for an anarchist lawyer even for an anarchist lawyer, I can tell you that libertarians don't believe in lawlessness. We just don't believe in governmental regulation imposing upon us. But then again, governmental regulation is paid for most of this house. So I don't know where my position lies. <laughs> yes.
0: All of us are cheating. Um, well, thank you guys so much for being here. This was a lot of fun for me. And uh, I'd love to have you back out again in the future to break down any other memos that I find that are sent in the Bible.
2: <laughs> I this was thrilling and I feel so much more equipped uh just to go about my daily life and to make a biblical reference in so many contexts I mean uh in terms of like working in a university or in terms of exactly. understanding pain and suffering and my role in dismantling oppressive systems it just really yeah. you know it made me better.
0: Well, I I think that yeah. there's a scene in your movie Hill where 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 like the person who is playing you is like banging on a desk in a boardroom or in some sort of <laughs> hearing being like, do you want to be the people who ignore the lions? You're ignoring the lions right now. Like that's yes. your, that's your Aaron Sorkin moment in that story, yes, you know, like you nailed
3: it. You can be played by the blonde girl from Mr. Robot. <laughs> you know, the, one, have who's, to go look the one whose mom died from the cancer or whatever. Right, 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 right. That girl.
1: I'm, Okay,
2: uh, I'm gonna go look that up.
1: And and we know that Kyle Gass from Tenacious D is gonna get the role of Dan Taylor in that. Movie.
0: <laughs> I'll have a I'll we'll have a, we'll a walk on cameo playing being like a, telling jokes in the background somewhere. <gasps>
2: <laughs> Amazing.
0: But thank you guys oh. for so much for being here. This is great fun. And uh, yeah, I will. Uh, yeah, uh, will uh, I'll let you know when this comes up. But uh, yeah, thanks so much for being here. Can't wait for the
2: next time.
1: This is